Hi, Caleb. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well, enjoying a Negroni tonight. A Negro- this afternoon, you mean? Well, it's, it's nighttime somewhere. A little, we'll go behind the curtains here and, and point out that we are recording a little earlier than usual. Um, and because of that, I am actually drinking a beer. Uh-huh. I, am, uh, I am drinking a Backwoods, Backwoods Bastard uh, from Founders Brewing in Michigan. Mm. It's a uh, bourbon barrel aged ale. Um, it is very tasty. It is 11% alcohol, so it's, oh. it's a bit potent. Uh, but I figured, yeah, if we're doing a day episode, I need to have some day drinking appropriate uh, beverage. Are you saying mine is inappropriate? And the ground is always appropriate. So it's right. a classic. Yeah. Thank you. I, th- I think All you're right. good. So this episode, we are going to talk about neural networks as applied to self-driving car companies. Uh, last time we spoke, if you didn't catch last episode, we talked about neural networks, their history, and and Mike had a ton to share about his his experience and history with them and research he did. So um, this episode, we're going to focus on uh, how all of this sort of fits into the broader landscape and why neural networks are particularly well-suited for self-driving and what has been publicly disclosed by different companies. So should be should be fun and we'll be mentioning some other companies besides just Tesla. So we'll probably <laughs> we'll probably talk about them first and then talk about Tesla towards the end um as uh, sort of the cherry on the top of the end of the episode. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds the, the raison d'etre, really. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. Um okay, so who else other than than Tesla is is using these things? Do you want to dive in with that first? Yeah, so there are definitely I would say pretty much all of the companies that are doing something with self-driving have got to be playing with neural networks. So even if they haven't publicly stated it, uh, I would be shocked if one of their engineers hasn't come up with the idea of also using a neural network in some uh, fashion. Right. So um, what we know, though, for for fact is that um, there's a few companies that have been talking about it much more publicly. So we'll focus on those guys. So the first is uh, Comma AI. Um, and then we've got NVIDIA, who's been talking about it. Mobileye has also been talking about it, but also in the context of throwing shade, essentially, at <laughs> neural networks because they are traditional computer vision uh, focused. And they also, well, they also make chips that are computer vision. So they've got a, a, you know, a, their own horse in the race. Um, and then, then we can talk about... Uh, Apple mentioned it a bit in a, in a letter that they sent to NHTSA uh, this week, actually, uh, that they're doing, they've got their own deep learning and that they find it interesting how that will be applied to uh, autonomous vehicles, um, but probably won't talk too much about them tonight. Um, and then, yeah, then then Tesla obviously has, has mentioned their Tesla vision is a, a neural network based approach. So from the top, um, what do you know about Comet AI? I, I'm curious how much they've gotten out into the general tech sphere. Well, if I remember correctly, that's the one that was founded by the sort of young wonderkind hacker uh, who was, the like, I think, the first person to jailbreak an iPhone. Is yeah. that the, the guy I'm thinking of? Yep. And also rooted the PS3, I think, and, and was sort of embroiled in some of the DRM stuff around the PS3. Um, okay. So it's a natural transition to autonomous vehicles then. Yeah, um, he apparently was actually one of the things that is interesting in the backstory for for him, um, Mr. Hotz, was that uh, he's very young and uh, he is a hacker, as you said, and 
he was actually um, working on some of these uh, self-driving ideas, and he actually wrote into Elon and said that he could uh, build them a better self-driving system than what they had. And they actually got to a point of having a contract and was going to have a multi-million dollar uh, contract with Tesla to produce a better uh, version of autopilot. And uh, eventually, very publicly, it, it kind of blew up and they didn't end up uh, signing signing that deal. And uh, so George Hotz then went and started a company instead and got funding from Andreessen Horowitz and they raised about $3 million or so. And they're here in San, or they're in San Francisco nearby. And yeah, they're trying to build software for um, self-driving cars. And their general approach is um, almost completely neural network and machine learning based. That they their sort of mission and their sort of stated goal is to have uh, the world teach them how to drive and to build the you know superhuman driving agent. And uh, so he sort of did some early demos with his own car that he hacked together like an Acura. And this is um, this is all optical too, right? He's it's just using camera technology. So it's a little bit mixed. He, he in his early prototype cars, they had more sensors. He's had lidar on there, and he's had radar, um, and they they do use radar, um, but it's primarily optical. And a lot of the training data is optical because um, they also decided to make this available to others to try and um, crowdsource more more data. As we talked about last episode. Getting video data and, and image data uh, is is valuable to the training and understanding of all the different components that go into a self-driving car's path planning and object detection and all the different facets, which we'll go into more depth when we talk about NVIDIA. But what was interesting for them is they released an Android app um, called Schiffer. It was chauffeur, but they dropped a lot of the vowels. Um, and what their goal there was, was put mount this as a dash cam. So it, it's sort of a, a Trojan horse. It's a dash cam, so you can record what's what you're driving and, you know, all that good stuff. But then it also uploads that video to Comma AI. And then they use that as part of their validation and, and training data, um, mostly for validation because they only have the video. They don't have any of the steering actuation or brake or anything like that. So apparently they had collected over 300,000 miles from 750 drivers who've been using the app. So it's not a huge number of users using this uh, to date. Um, uh, and they're getting, you know, 30 frames per second video. So it sounds like they're uploading almost the complete video uh, to them. And uh, their general goal was like, if, if a human can learn to drive without understanding Newtonian physics and having, you know, really rich object detection that they've uh, hand-tuned, like he's sort of making a, a straw man argument, why can't you just, uh, you know, take vision from what you see as a human driver and the steering wheel and brake and accelerator and put in a, a neural network in between and then you can have a teach a car to drive. Why, why can't you do that? And so that was their general approach uh, in the beginning was have humans through their own driving teach the car to drive and uh, and that's sort of how they how they got started. And so they're they're very clearly in the camp of, of neural networks being and computer vision being the like the, the main thing that they think is the only ultimate necessary sensor. Obviously, you'd want other sensors to make it safer than a human, but that uh, philosophically, they don't think you need LIDAR, for instance, or other sensors that you really 
could do it because there's evidence proof that a human can drive with just two eyes and two ears. Uh, so why couldn't you train uh, a car to do that? So that's sort of how they got started. Interesting. I didn't realize the uh, the Tesla connection there. That's that's new to me. Mm-hmm. And it was a very public breakup. He's sort of a, he's well, not sort of, he is a gregarious um, character, uh, George Hotz. And um, he he's talked publicly about uh, the contract negotiations and did an interview with Bloomberg about it when it was going down. And apparently now he's in better, he, he's being less um, uh, abrasive towards Tesla. Um, but he definitely has very uh, low, low opinion of Mobileye. Um, which we'll talk talk about, but um, so so he's got this app that they're training, and what's interesting is they were about to sell a device that would go into your car, uh, into Hondas and Acuras, and they were claiming it was going to be a thousand dollars. It would replace your rearview mirror, and it would be running this neural network that they had trained uh, in your own car on basically smartphone level hardware, and it would connect via the the ODP. ODB port um, in your car. Uh, and so they had sort of jerry-rigged the CAN bus, which is the communications protocol for cars, to take over steering and braking. So it's going to be an aftermarket self-driving car system <laughs> powered by uh, a neural network that they had built and trained and others were training. And uh, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, heard about it and they sent them a letter and said that if they don't send a uh, user manual and certify its safety, uh, they'd be fined, oh, I think, nearly $20,000 a day. Um, they hadn't put it on sale yet, so it was a little bit interesting that NHTSA was that aggressive. But um, so they decided, the, he, he tweeted they canceled that project. Um, so now they've decided to open source it. So now they've open sourced it instead. So they're not selling it. Uh, they put all the plans online. So if you have an Acura Honda you and you have the willpower and slight technical ability, you could uh, make your Honda or self uh, Honda or Acura somewhat self-driving on highway. And uh, they release all that info just in the past seven days. So I find um, that to be rather terrifying. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, it is going what would the, the reason they decided to do it is that they well there's two one is they they sort of see the value in the mapping data um a lot more than the self-drivingness of it and uh, and so getting more and more people driving get some really really high quality maps uh that are actually extremely valuable as we've seen with apple and google and uh, tesla and all these others trying to create really high quality maps um and so they've decided to open source it and and sort of their public positioning is we want to be the Android of self-driving. So if, if iOS is Tesla, then Android would be uh, comma AI. And so they hope and think that other car makers or hobbyists might choose to use them as uh, as the foundation. But yeah, I mean, so, people turning this on without any oversight and safety, it's like, it's one thing if you put a subwoofer in your car aftermarket, <laughs> but putting a self-driving kit in your car is a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. And I thought part of the agreement for California and Nevada, the, the two states that, that really allow a lot of self-driving experimentation on the on the roads, meant that uh, the people involved had to put up a rather large bond, um, I, I thought, that to, to be enabled or to be allowed into the self-driving experimental programs. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a pretty sizable cash deposit that needs to be made somewhere. 
Yeah, and, and so that's why they don't claim what they've released is self-driving. Um, they, they say that it's driving assist. Uh, the same way that drivers of uh, autopilot do not need to put up a personal bond and Tesla hasn't put up a bond for that particular program, uh, that you are still completely in control. It is a lane keep assist and a, a traffic aware uh, cruise control. And it's using the traffic aware cruise control and lane assist that are built into certain Acuras and Hondas because they have the forward facing radar and they are supplementing it with their own software. And so that's why they are sort of claiming that in the first place, they didn't think it was that big of a deal to release this as a commercial product. And then why you would legally be able to add this to your vehicle um, and not have to face penalties. Uh, but it does bring up a very intriguing point of you know, most automotive uh, programs and software are vetted uh, because of NHTSA. And they're not usually sold after market. Most cars are not hacked or built onto. Uh, but if they're successful, uh, they, they sort of potentially could have a, a much more uh, much more people actually using the self-driving components in their cars after market. And that would be a lot harder to, uh, to regulate, especially if they're making it free. I mean, NHTSA has control over sold products. They don't have control over free products. And they're claiming it's a free speech issue. Uh, it's kind of terrifying, though, because as a... As an occupant in a vehicle, uh, you're actually less at risk because all of the safety systems are geared around you and the other people on the roads are, you know, pedestrians, bikes, motorcycles, other cars. I feel like you're you're putting them more at risk than you're putting yourself at risk. I don't think the the incentives are quite aligned right. It's a little bit scary. Yeah, for sure. And and also the um, the other thing that was interesting is that they didn't open source the vision component. The, uh, the neural network they've built is not open source. It's one big binary file. And, um, and so they, they do view that as a competitive advantage back to the sort of core, core component here of the, all those, anyone who decides to turn that thing on, by default, it will be sending the, the video stream and the data from the steering angle uh, and accelerator back to, to comma comma servers and so that then they could release updates um and when in, in some of the research i was doing i saw some talks by some of the team who works there and some of the research papers they released and you know that general concept of just give us video and steering angle uh as as the input and we'll tell the car where to go as they really were digging into that, they realized that wouldn't actually work very well. Um, and what they found was kind of, kind of, um, kind of cool that essentially any place the car was, it kind of just wanted to drive straight. Because when you think about when you're driving, especially on the highway, those little micro adjustments you make happen. If you think about time as a as a sort of the x-axis. And then Y being the amplitude of the turn that you make, those don't happen that often and they're not very intense. And so in a neural network where it's sort of looking for something uh, unique, those don't actually happen that often. And so what they found was that most of the neural networks they train just that in that naive approach of trying to train it just based on mimicking the way someone drove, um, it didn't notice those um, changes in direction enough. It just on average looks like you're driving straight and there's no torque on the wheel. And so what they found was that the cars just tended to drive straight wherever they were looking. And, and so they, they just didn't actually follow the curve or they just wanted to drive straight. So if you were off axis in your lane, you'd continue to stay off axis. It wouldn't pull you back into the middle. 
And so that sort of just talks about this idea of, well, can we build one neural network to rule them all that you just throw in all the sensor data and all the video data and you train it against people's uh, accelerator and brake and turning radius, will that work? And from Kama's experience so far, that does not work. That is not enough to make a self-driving car. Which makes Um, sense. I mean, that's not what Tesla is doing either, right? Or even the NVIDIA system, it it has different networks operating and then even some CV stuff operating at different levels and it all kind of gets synthesized into uh, the final, I guess, like, neocortex or i don't know whatever you'd call the the main brain yeah exactly and i think that's that's one of the one of the big distinctions between some folks who are talking about you know neural networks are going to solve all the all the self-driving problems there's one group of people who do think this um it's called an end-to-end approach where it's the one black box in the middle like we just described they think that might work eventually but you'd need so much training data and the average of, of much of it is so similar that actually so far that hasn't proved to uh, be viable. But what you were just mentioning of, of potentially thinking about it as separate components and where you might need to do um, object detection. So we need to know where the, we need to know what those things I see ahead of me are. Those are cars, those are vans, those are emergency vehicles, those are police cars, those are children, those are pedestrians. Um, that's a construction worker. That class of problem typically was used, uh, was solved by computer vision. And that's what Mobileye had been doing. Mobileye was a co- is a company that has uh, started in uh, like uh, pedestrian detection and um, the radar-based uh, emergency braking. And so they had built very hand-tuned, human-built engineer sort of featured detection systems and they took those and they embedded them and like saw, like built them into unique chips. So not general purpose chips like an Intel chip, but they would make their own uh, chips, uh, which would be really fast at detecting these things. But all that knowledge was burned into a single chip. And so you needed to buy a new car that had their new version of their new chip with better detection for Europe, for instance, or, you know, new ways of detecting more animals or more bicycles okay so whenever you got a a car that had a mobilized system in it that was as good as it was ever going to be it was never going to get upgraded in place exactly and so that's how they got around the real timeness that the uh, application of vehicles were so important that you you know you don't have a lot of power in the vehicle necessarily you want to have really low cost because manufacturers don't want to add thousands of dollars of of parts in their car just for emergency braking and so they took the approach of really hand-tuned, fine detail. You know, if we just need to make sure we stop, we, we can think about the set of things you have to, that could potentially be in your way in the roadway. And so they had hundreds of people, I think 600, 700 people on staff who tag things, which then goes into their computer vision models. The challenge is that this was one of the things that was part of the Tesla. The current Teslas, um, well... Tesla's as of, I guess, two months ago, had Mobileye chips in them. And if you remember back to that truck crossing incident where one of the drivers was killed, uh, Tesla was saying that it was a problem that they couldn't see the truck. 
Um, but actually, as we've dug in more, it sounds like Mobileye was actually really concerned because um, Mobileye wasn't able to detect what that thing was. Uh, they didn't have a classification for it, and there was no way for them to you know, software update that chip to be better at understanding that. Now, possibly they could have put it somewhere else in the, in the flow, but I think it just sort of illustrates one of the fundamental differences between a general purpose uh, computing architecture with a neural network versus a silicon-based uh, computer vision optimized detection system. Like, you know how those cameras, like a lot of the point-and-shoot cameras have face detection? Right. Like that's built into a chip. It's, it's, it's baked in. But they couldn't tell you, uh, okay, now next year you just plug it in and now it can also detect animals. Like those were locked in. Um, yeah, there's actually, uh, if, if any of our listeners want to play with this themselves, there's uh, been a framework around for a long time called OpenCV. Uh, mm-hmm. C as in computer, V as in vision, OpenCV, probably .org. But if you Google uh, for it, you can find it. And it has all sorts of pre-built uh, classifiers, uh, stuff that's already been trained. And it can do things like face detection, eye detection, nose detection, mouth detection, ears, uh, all these different things that it can detect that are already built in. Um, and I think it even has one for like people walking too. So if you just have footage from your camera, you can download this onto your computer, feed it in, and you can actually get like bounding boxes drawn around and get kind of an idea as to how this stuff works. Right. And what's, you know, that software is software and continually evolving and there can be patches and updates. But in the case of cars, traditionally, they haven't been able to update themselves. And so whatever software is installed is what's installed. And so a neural network wouldn't necessarily even make that much sense in a car, even if it was possible before, because they didn't have self-updating capabilities. And so you might as well actually understand what parameters you can understand and, and uh, accept with a, with a computer vision approach. Um, so, so that's where sort of Mobileye comes into this, is they now are transitioning from being purely a computer vision, low horsepower kind of um, computing company to now trying to make chips that are running their own mini neural networks. And so they're not a, they again are not a believer in the one neural network to rule them all. They see a path forward of a neural network to do sign detection, a neural network to do human uh, pedestrian detection, a neural network to detect cars, right. a neural network to understand how do humans tend to drive smoothly and then fuse all of those together uh, at the right weights and then have safety checks along the way to make sure that, you know, you're not driving into something uh that you shouldn't just because the neural network for human driving says you should. And so they've sort of broken it out into sub pieces and they're individually replacing their previous computer vision approaches with now tuned built neural networks that they've developed. So that seems reasonable. That seems good. It just means you need more neural, you just need more computing horsepower. And so that, which they want because they actually sell these chips to automakers. So they're, they're competing now with Intel and uh, NVIDIA in, in a way because they want to sell these automakers their deep neural network detection systems that will have both the software and the hardware capable of, of processing the sensor data. And, and they're mainly vision. They're mainly looking at camera data um, from, uh, from the Mobileye sort of world. That's what they most care about. Okay. And then so when Tesla was using Mobileye up until uh, a few months ago, I guess, mm-hmm. um, what was the approach there? Was was were they using Mobileye as an input to their their own overall system? Because they they did have this concept of fleet learning, uh, and 
So what? And but if we know that the Mobileye chips can't be updated, uh, how was how was Tesla handling that before? And I guess we can then talk about how they're handling it now. Yeah, and so the best knowledge we have is that Tesla was using Mobileye for their vision component, so the the one forward facing camera, and using it for detection. So detecting there's cars, uh, detecting potential lane markers uh, and uh, signs and things. Okay. And that they then decided to layer in radar, which was not touching the mobile eye part of the stack, to better imp- like offset what the mistakes that were inherent in the mobile eye side of things and vision and not necessarily just mobile eye problem, but sometimes you can't see. So you want to have better radar. Okay, so and they were they had some sort of more executive system that was exactly. sort of synthesizing all these things and, and making decisions based on, I guess, some algorithm they had. Exactly, and so that's sort of how you get into um, the Nvidia Tesla approach are actually the most similar in that they are both companies that are creating complete self driving solutions. One in Tesla for their own vehicles and closed source and proprietary just for them. And in NVIDIA, wanting to make an operating system and hardware that they could sell to uh, car manufacturers to enable self-driving out of the box. And you provide the sensors, and we will provide self-driving capabilities. And so what's interesting is that NVIDIA has had to talk about this a lot more publicly than Tesla has because they need to convince people that this is real. And so they've had (laughs) multiple conferences where they've been talking about it. So that's sort of the next one I wanted to dig into. And and they've got both, like there's from the the GPU side of things to their, the neural networks they've got, and they already have an OS built. And what's interesting is Tesla is using their uh, hardware, their, uh, the, the GPUs are now in the new Teslas. So it's sort of this interesting interplay where Tesla is doing their own software but NVIDIA is using the same hardware that Tesla has access to because they bought it from Tesla or from NVIDIA, but they're doing their own software because they, they, they seem to believe that the car makers, I think rightly, do not necessarily have all of the software capability in-house to make this happen. And so if they want to sell these, these boards that are potentially thousands of dollars, they need to make sure they're actually useful to these car manufacturers. And so they're providing the software as well. Um, so I guess we could dig into what NVIDIA is doing. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's do that. Because it is kind of interesting that you can, it's interesting how much of the technology and the techniques are open. Uh, like it's, it's academic research that's been published, it's algorithms that are open. And a lot of it is that the data is proprietary and the sort of neural networks that you end up training are sort of the proprietary part, but technically anyone can go out and, and start training all their stuff. And in the case of NVIDIA, you can actually go on Amazon and get one of the little uh, developer boards that kind of looks like a little Raspberry Pi type computer mm-hmm. board and has one of their GPUs on it and camera inputs and just start hacking around. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I use the NVIDIA system to do the detection for the cars for last episode, sort of uh, playing around with neural networks. Um, and so, yeah, I use almost all of the tutorials were from NVIDIA for me as a, as a total hobbyist, just playing around, trying to do car detection. Um, so they're certainly out there, very forward. And as we talked about last time, one of the enabling components of neural networks being and deep learning being so widely now used 
is that uh, computing power has accelerated and most specifically uh, GPUs being extremely parallel, having multiple, multiple cores and, uh, and being very purpose-built for the type of calculations that neural networks perform that uh, NVIDIA is really well capturing uh, the neural network and deep learning space because it plays into what they do of building very purpose-built GPUs. So it's in their interest, obviously, to promote this. And they see a new category of self-driving cars as a really great market to absorb these very, very high-performance GPUs, which is now separate from the gaming market of PC gamers and consoles that uh, have traditionally been their primary market. Um, so, so NVIDIA now has a OS uh, that should be shipping in the next year or so. It's called DriveWorks OS, and they describe that it has three neural networks as a, uh, as a part of it. Um, now, there may be more, but these were the three that they described uh, publicly. So the first is one they call DriveNet, and it is for detecting things. So it detects cars, it detects pedestrians, it detects lane markers, it detects shoulders. And one of the other things that it does is that it actually will detect uh, markers on the road that help it localize where it is in the world so that they can then feed that to create a high-definition map of uh, where they are in the world. And so what's really valuable about that is it provides a backup to the live sensor data. So all these... NVIDIA will, is partnering with TomTom, the map company, previously just a GPS company. And so they're feeding all this data to TomTom to create these high-resolution maps of what lane you're in, how sort of the road turns. And so when a car is on the road running NVIDIA's system, it will not only be able to download this data and understand what's about to happen in front of it and, uh, and understand where it is in the world, but then it'll run this drive net in real time to also detect things. So it has a backup for detection, which is its, uh, its pre-built map system. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like you you would need some sort of redundancy, uh, especially if you're focusing on things that could get confused, like you know, slush or rain might get in your camera lens, or um, I think the canonical example I've heard a few times has been like a a like a aluminum foil uh, paper chip bag could fly up in front of the radar, and and to the radar it looks like a truck is in front of you, uh, and there needs to be some way to kind of uh, uh, ascertain how valid any of these inputs are. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why you would then fuse the vision with. Uh, but the radar, uh, sorry, the opposite, You'd the radar would be saying red alert, red alert, and your vision system might be able to say, oh, no, that's just not a big deal. There's no car there. There's no truck there. Um, don't, don't emergency brake. Um, I also so, thought, oh, sorry, I was going to say, I also thought it was interesting that the um, cameras that they're using are not uh, RGB cameras, like you would have in a camera, in a point-and-shoot camera or in your cell phone. They're using, uh, I think it's called a RCCC. Yep, RCCC. Or, yeah, it has like a red channel and then three channels of, of luminance or essentially brightness. So it has it's a lot closer to what a human eye can perceive. So it doesn't get all blown out or all super black like a cell phone camera would. 
Yeah, it apparently has like a 20-bit dynamic range. Um, That's crazy. A lot, a lot more dynamic range. So yeah, it can, at night it can you know detect things and see things. Um, but it's a you know visually it's a slightly weird thing. It's sort of red and gray. Um, but the cars don't really care what color most things are. Um, I wonder how it detects traffic lights. Yeah, so I think that they're doing it mainly on the positioning of the of the luminance. Mm. Um, since luckily traffic lights are standard, but that would be a challenge if um, all of a sudden we decided to make a uh, green on the, what would it be? The bottom? I don't even know which way it is. Well, green is already on the bottom, unless okay, you on end the top. Up, like in, in Boston, I remember there were some that were kind of tilted sideways and mm. all sorts of crazy. I think when a, when a self-driving car can make it through the winding, crazy streets of Boston, that would be a pretty pretty amazing achievement. So the, absolutely, Boston is not fun to drive in. I've done it a few times. <laughs> I imagine London would be very similar to any of the old cities where it's just a crazy organic growth of streets is, is kind of uh, challenging. Yeah, one of the, some, uh, even, even Paris, there's some really crazy big circles where cars just sort of fuse and obviously. Um, oh yeah, five-way intersections. You don't see many five-way intersections in California, no. but I recall five-way intersections. Yeah, and, and then also some of the areas in, in um uh, in India and in the Philippines, where you've got so many more scooters and pedestrians intermixed in the roadway, um, that that will be quite difficult. Um, so, so that actually brings us to the other other uh, neural network that NVIDIA has built into their OS called Open Road Net. So this is separate, and this is intended to detect what's called free space. Um, and so, uh, the first network will detect that there's something somewhere so that there's a car there there's a car uh, there's a bus there's a truck there's a person that information is useful but not sufficient to decide where to drive and so open road net is built to tell you and tell the car what is the plane that is safe for the vehicle to be in right now and so you can think about if you think about like a a parking lot um, and you've got cars backing up and cars parked and people walking. If you think about the ground plane, like the asphalt, what it basically does is it colors it uh, for humans to see but uh, in their demos, but it colors it green uh, as like this carpet, essentially, of where the car could go safely um, so it given sounds, its current dimensions. It so sounds like, kind of like the backup cameras where you have, and as you turn the steering wheel, it kind of creates this little, most backup cameras create a little overlay with like a path of where you would be going. Yeah, and this, this is even a step beyond that where it would say like, uh, it would paint that barrier behind you or the car you're about to back into as red oh, okay. and the space right before it as green. And so basically like if there's a curb, like the, you need to know that the car, so, so say there's two cars to the, on the curb, you need to have the car know that it can't drive to the right of the car on the right shoulder, that that's actually a, a sidewalk, that the car is not supposed to drive on the sidewalk. Um, so that's not free space. Uh, but the, the two lanes in front of you that have no cars in front of them are free space. And if there's a construction zone, that even though traditionally you've been able to drive on that lane, it would be marked off. Um, so it's a little bit like how the Roombas have those little uh, uh, markers you can put around your house so that they sort of create these barriers where they can't, they're not <laughs> supposed to go through. It, yeah, it's we have really, those on our, on our dog's food bowl because otherwise it knocks them around the room. 
Exactly. So, so the free space planning is to tell you what part of the roadway uh, of this image is, is good for a car to be on, and more specifically, the car to be on right now. So that's the second neural network that they've built. Um, and then the third one is really the most fascinating one, and I think that's probably gotten the most attention in press. And this is the most like what Kama AI has been trying to do. And this one is called PilotNet. And this one they're sort of classifying as a behavior network. So their pitch about it is a human driver cruising down the highway is not thinking about the physics of the amount of time for them to turn to change lanes and how much mass is happening and how much they need to turn the wheel, how much acceleration they need to give, you know, calculating uh, the, the sort of calculus of are they going to hit this other car? Um, their brain isn't doing that. That it's a much more sort of natural behavior that's learned. Right. Similar to learning how to throw and catch a baseball, right? Like you're not actually calculating the trajectories. You've just done it enough times that you, you know. Exactly. And so that's why they thought, well, maybe what, would it be possible to train a neural network to drive like a human such that it actually understands sort of how humans like to drive, how they accelerate, how they deal with the road, how do they deal with curves, and so they use a very similar approach to what Kama AI tried to do. Um, and so they, they have this car. They've called it BB-8. Uh, they, I don't know. They, they really like video games and, and, uh, and pop culture. So they built this car. Um, they, they put car, um, a camera in the front, and then they hooked it up to the steering and accelerator and brake. So they have the, that data as well as the sort of output they're trying to optimize towards. And they took uh, 40 hours of... Um, of data, um, of, of driving. And they use that to actually train this car on, on how to drive. And what's really interesting is it actually drives relatively well and it can, it can drive on dirt roads. It can drive in the rain and they trained it in California and they took it to New Jersey and it could drive on the roadways there. It could drive on the highway. And so it wasn't, you know, changing lanes and things. It was just staying in its lane and driving um, like a human would. And so that, you know, th that's the problem that is useful for how to drive, but it, it doesn't know where it wants to go. It has no path. It has no objective. And so that's where the other two neural networks come in, right? The free, the free space network will tell that driving network where it could drive. So, you know, it will create that sort of uh, green, green map of where it's available to drive. And then the drive net network tells it where it wants to go because you've programmed in a destination and it has a map and it sees where these other cars are. And so it knows not to drive into those, but it also knows where it's trying to go and what paths people usually take. And then that pilot net actually is the one that's getting you there. So like you were saying before, you know, we're not thinking about breathing. It's important to continue to breathe, but if you start running uh, your system will know that it's doing something more aggressive and will need to breathe more heavily. And so it's sort of these three systems being fused together, each with their own sensor data that's relevant for each of them, which goes into this OS. And that sort of leads into the Tesla model where they too seem to be using this fusion of multiple neural networks and multiple systems to actually uh, execute what seems like a, like the singular task of self-driving, uh, but actually is multiple subcomponents all assembled uh, in concert to make a self-driving system work. 
Okay, so Tesla is has built or is building out their current autopilot implementation on NVIDIA hardware, mm-hmm. uh, but with their own custom software. And at the same time, NVIDIA is selling that hardware as to anyone, uh, along with NVIDIA's sort of analogous uh, software that they've created that does something similar to what Tesla is doing. Exactly. And the OS is not yet available. Um, so it is in an open alpha and they said it should be available to OEMs shortly and that they plan to update it every two months. And they're working with Baidu, Volvo, TomTom and Newtonomy. Um, so Baidu and Newtonomy are both doing self-driving tests. Volvo is doing some of their own self-driving tests. And then TomTom is providing the HD maps. Okay. Um, Baidu in, is in China and Newtonomy is in Boston. Is that right? Yeah, okay. exactly. Um, and so Tesla, um, we now know more about their Tesla vision because of the new hardware to the hardware two that they released, um, at the end of October. So I think it was October 19th. And so they, uh, were on the call and they said, um, publicly that this is their own Tesla developed neural network. They're calling it Tesla vision, and this is replacing Mobileye. And so this is what is, uh, taking in now that going from one camera to now eight cameras. So uh, a majority, Octocam. yeah, Octocam, exactly. Octocam. Use the, the proper ma- terminology. Again. Sorry, Octocam. The majority of the sensor data now is coming from these cameras. And so their Tesla vision is what's processing all of it. And it's doing it, like you said, on the NVIDIA drive PX system. And, uh, they also revealed, which I for- had forgotten about that they said they had been testing this for a year already. Um, so before they even released the first car, they'd been testing uh, and, and working on this for a year. So even though the autopilot software isn't yet available, um, they have been working on it and validating it and that um, they plan to be doing updates every month once they do start pushing it out, which we now believe will be by the end of December. Uh, these cars will now get would have parity with autopilot. And, uh, and so essentially what it means is that, you know, the lane lines, the road flow, the objects, the road signs, all of those things are being detected by the vision system because radar can't see lane lines. Radar can't see, uh, can't detect that a car is a certain type of car. And so you really do need cameras to detect, you know, if there's a stop sign or a yield sign, no other sensor can, can see that. And so that's why it's so critical that you do have really good vision if you want to do a full self-driving system and why Tesla in particular is so well suited to, te- uh, to a neural network based approach because they have the most data. I mean, so I, I did a little bit of calculations because I wanted to understand how much driving a regular person might do in their life. So how just, I don't think you've seen this, but how, what, how many miles do you think someone might drive in their lifetime if you were to drive a lot? Lifetime, geez. Uh, well, like car leases are usually like twelve to fifteen thousand a year. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's probably some. They've probably done some math there to figure that out. So if you're driving for, say, fifty years of your life at at say fifteen thousand a year, so that's what like seven hundred and fifty thousand miles. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty close to what I calculated. So i i did I did it based on a uh, daily amount. So if you drove thirty miles a day from the age of 16 to 90, which would be 74 years, uh, that would get you to around 810,000 miles. So 
less than a million miles per average human's driving lifetime. Like it seems like an upper bound. Right. Um, well, and the quality at the beginnings and ends, it's going to be a bell curve of quality. Yeah, there too, exactly. Most likely. Yeah. So um, Sterling Anderson, who's the head of Tesla's autopilot program, tweeted that their 100,000 cars uh, as of September were doing 3 million miles a day. So three human lifetimes a day in the fleet as of September. Wow. So just to give you a sense of how much they're seeing, like if you just think about all the, all the driving you've ever done, everything you've ever seen, Tesla is seeing three times that every single day. And if they actually are using all of that data, and that's a big question mark, because uh, that would be a metric ton of data to be processing. <laughs> well, just transferring all that back to the mothership would be difficult. Yeah. So, so the over the so so even getting all that. Um, so you know, obviously they must be worrying about how they're going to compress it, and you could do you could do some of the processing on board to get it into a much smaller format. But even still, that is an immense amount of data, and Tesla uniquely also has control over all of their own internal data on the car, such as uh, the speed, the, the, how much the wheels are turned, how much the wheels, the RPMs of the, of the wheel, all of that other data. So if you're just driving, you actually could be training Tesla's system for how to drive well already. And this is where the fleet learning comes in. So that test that NVIDIA did with a few thousand miles, Tesla has millions of those miles already available to them of how much people start turn the wheel, where they are in the world because they already have the mapping data. So all of that, it's so clear that it, that a neural network is the right approach for someone like Tesla because they have they already have these cars out there. And that's why to I think you had asked when we were talking about the hardware too, would they be able to use any of the previous data in this self-driving? Right. It seems really likely because they could be using that f- single forward-facing camera, which is pretty similar to one of the three that they have facing forward, and they still could have been having all of the steering and accelerator and brake data and the speed and location to have trained their model on how to drive well and also of where and build all their maps they're building of what lanes people drive in and how you go from one location to the next if you're saying, you know, I'm where I am and I want to go to Times Square, like what paths people take to get there. So, and that's just with like the fleet they have today, not the Model 3 fleet. It's amazing to think of, of like who else has anything close to that too i mean the only the only thing that pops to mind is is uber has a lot of drivers on the road and like path data but they don't actually have any sort of video feed exactly no one no one has the video and what the car is doing in a accurate format and i think doing all this research and digging in on this it's so clear that they they're going to have the biggest and best neural network of of anyone uh for at least a, a little while. And that what's really interesting is that, as we talked about, there's a threshold. In my own testing, I didn't have enough training data, and so my neural network was pretty crappy. Um, if I had as much data as, as Tesla did, I could probably detect every car extremely accurately. Okay, and so when in, you're in computer science, we would say that your network was suboptimal. Sorry, suboptimal. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Uh, no, no, uh, no offense to myself. Um, so it's, it's always the data. Um, <laughs> Sorry for the distraction. Continue. No, it's it's good. So my suboptimal training set was uh, is where many of these car makers are going to start, and so why they're going to need someone like Nvidia. But but even still, Nvidia isn't going to have that much training data. 
even if they hire their own fleets, they won't have that much. And also why when they do make these changes, when Tesla makes these improvements, they're going to be able to also validate how it performs on so many vehicles so quickly that their iteration cycle is going to be so much faster. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, to think that it's it's even uh, an annual cycle, too, where, like, the light will be different at different times of year. You've got different weather, different, like, if you want to gather, like, a full corpus of data for training, you really need that sort of entire year, really, of, of data to come in for all the different variations. And that just puts them even further ahead. Yeah, and it's worldwide. I mean, Teslas are all over the world. And so, you know, the driving behavior in one area is different than another. And with enough data, one neural network could handle that that's deep enough. But potentially you wouldn't start that place. And that many of these self-driving tests are fleets of maybe 10 or 20 or 30 cars. I mean, Uber has some of their self-driving cars. Google has some of their self-driving cars. Volvo has some of their self-driving cars. But they're all fleets under 100. And so they're in certain areas of the country as well. And so Teslas are driving all over the U.S. and all of Europe and now in many, many more countries. And so that, too, is so, so valuable to understanding what vision, what like what signs are out there, where people are driving. So I think it's super um, it's super clear why Elon Musk has been saying it's just a software problem and it's generally solved. We just need more and more data and we just need time to, yeah. to improve it. But it doesn't seem like they're going to be lacking for, for data um, if they wanted it. And Tesla is the only car company today that can do over-the-air updates that update this deep level of the software. You know, Some companies can update the apps and the infotainment system and others, but Tesla could every single month be pushing out new meaningful updates to the system, both in capability as well as the neural network itself, uh, to the point where you could potentially be streaming this data to the car nightly for minor updates such that it could be detecting, oh, there's a major road closing on a bridge that you tend to go over. We know about it because we saw it for the past thousand cars that went over the bridge. They saw the sign that said it was closing. And so we now know uh, not to drive in that lane or to take that bridge. Um, the really interesting bit that I'm, they haven't revealed is who are they going to be using for their mapping? Uh, they currently are using Google Maps, but their maps are going to have to be a lot more rich if they want to do the full end-to-end. And so that also means they must be building their own maps. They just haven't really talked about it much publicly because... Um, for whatever reason, they, they haven't talked about it. Um, because if, if you're going to put in a destination, uh, it needs to know how to get you there. So I think that'll be something that over the next year will clearly be revealed, um, is the Tesla mapping. There aren't that many independent mapping companies left that haven't been snapped up already. Mm-hmm. By automakers and large technology companies who want to do self-driving. So right. um, yeah, that was sort of uh, a, a, a deep dive, I guess, into how some of these car companies are using neural networks. Um, and it's interesting how much of it, it anyone can actually start playing with, too. Like, even if you don't know that much about it, there's lots of... The components aren't terribly expensive to buy. Uh, the There's plenty of, of uh, like, high-level training videos, not necessarily, like, academic white papers that are somewhat impenetrable, but, you know, you can actually go through a few YouTube videos, go through some, there's some courses on Udacity. Uh, there's a whole Udacity program about self-driving cars. Yep. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yeah, and I think 
it's great that there's so much available and so much you can get up and running. NVIDIA is going to be releasing a new version of their software, Digits, um, which is the, the sort of tool I had used. Um, they're going to have this full path planning uh, model as well and detection so that you could pump in video and it would detect the roadway pedestrians and they're going to make it available for free. They're going to have sort of an app store essentially for these different models. So you could use a model someone trained on millions of miles. Oh, good. I thought you were going to say you could play Crossy Road or something in real life. No, 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 no. That seems no. kind of dangerous. So so they're going, to, they're going to be making this available because they want to accelerate automakers and just the industry in general so that, so that people will actually start demanding it and uh, more automakers will be buying their their hardware because they make money on the hardware. Tesla also makes money on the hardware. They just make it on a much more um, integrated version of the hardware, um, the entire car. Um, and so I think th that's going to be the really interesting thing is, will there be a competitive network and competitive self-driving OS to what Tesla offers such that people who want a self-driving vehicle or highly autonomous vehicle would be able to purchase one uh, that would be at parity with what Tesla offers. And given the amount of data Tesla has, it seems like they're going to have an advantage for quite a while. But at some point, that'll hit an asymptotic sort of level, yep. being engineering topic. Um, <laughs> and so the, the, the real question is how many years of, of sort of... Mm, of, of data collection and improvement do we have so that Tesla is still in the lead? Because one of the big fundamental challenges for Tesla from the business community has been all these legacy automakers are going to be able to build electric cars if they want to. So why is someone going to pick a Tesla? And it seems that Tesla is investing so much in self-driving and in their software engineering that they will choose it because the software is better, not just the user interface, but the actual ability to drive itself. And now we've dug into neural networks, we know that the data collection is one of the most critical pieces to making a self-driving car uh, really successful. That even if you have access to the sensors, which everyone does, even if you have access to some engineers to write the original models, which you can pay enough money to get, but not everyone can get access to the uh, to the to the miles, and so if Tesla gets enough of a lead, it may prevent the other car companies from getting enough data fast enough to catch up. Um, similar to what happened with Apple and Google in the self drive in the sort of mapping challenges, it's tough to catch Google's lead. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's also that they're kind of competing on. They have two different sort of adoption challenges where. Tesla is getting a head start on the AI, the driving stuff, but they have to ramp up their production. And these standard automakers have already figured out all the production stuff, and now right. they need to ramp up that. So they're, it's not that Tesla is without challenges. It's, it's just that their challenge is one that's already been solved by their competitors. And the thing that they're pioneering and solving is something that needs to be figured out by their competitors. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the, uh, the question is, are those equivalent? And my personal view is they're not equivalent, uh, being involved in the software world, uh, being able to do software really well is not a uniformly distributed ability. Just because you know how to do it doesn't mean you can. And the question is, is that the same level of difficulty and ramp up as manufacturing capabilities uh, and the sort of transfer transferability of that skill set? Um, Should be exciting Tesla's, to see. Yeah, I mean, Tesla certainly positioned well to 
do uh, good things on the software side um, because of the architecture they built into the car. So the other car makers need to both get to that level of updatability of their vehicles and build the sensors into their cars, which now Tesla is building into every one of their cars at cost, uh, at, at a high cost to do so, um, to, may, to be able to get all this data. And, uh, and so the other car companies need to also get the sensors into their cars, which they do not have. And then they also need to be deploying the software to some degree, which they've, some, some of them have, Mercedes and uh, a few others have some sort of lane keep assist that's reasonable. So, yeah, I think I, I really feel like this next 12 months, 24 months is going to be extremely volatile with self-driving and semi-autonomous driving. Because as we've seen, the capabilities of neural networks, when given a lot of data, have far surpassed what people could have predicted a priori, uh, their capabilities. And so Tesla will have has this data and, and is testing it far earlier than they're deploying it. So... Uh, they may know how good they are at it far ahead of their ability to tell us or desire to tell us. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see, does this update uh, path happen as quickly as they've said now that Mobileye is not a part of the uh, toolkit for the cars? Cool. Well, we'll keep our eyes on that. Uh, we will. <laughs> all right. So we're, we're, we're brushing up on an hour here. So let's uh, maybe we should uh, shut this one down. Yeah, we'll we'll turn we'll power down. Bring this, this one, one in for a park, a park. Yeah, an auto park. Um, <laughs> so if anyone has any more comments for us, uh, they can reach us at the Tesla Show on Twitter uh, for a semi immediate response. Uh, you can leave a comment on the site directly on each individual episode at theteslashow.com. And then if you're into Reddit, we have a subreddit there where we post the episodes, and you can converse with us at r slash the Tesla Show. And uh, you can subscribe to us in any place you listen to podcasts. So um, with that, I think I'll bid you adieu, Mr. Mike. <laughs> Au revoir. Au revoir. Talk to you later.